Did you know that right now there's a group of people running the business of their dreams? They are respected leaders in their field, working with clients they love and serving them profitably. Now, are they famous? Depends on who you ask. They're not signing autographs at the grocery store or taking selfies every five minutes. They're not trying to be everywhere on social media. Yet when they show up at trade events and conferences, they are recognized and sought after. They're the ones everyone else looks up to. They're the next generation of thought leaders in their space. So what's their secret? Well, they've become famously influential to the right people, and so can you. Today, we'll dig into the story of one of these leaders and deconstruct how they became micro-famous. You won't just come away inspired, you'll come away with a new strategy and a new way of thinking. So while your competition is scattered, chaotic, and chasing every shiny object, you can move forward with confidence and clarity. I'm your host, Matt Johnson, agency founder and author of Microfamous. And if you're ready to become famously influential to the right people, let's get started. Welcome back to the Microfamous podcast. Matt Johnson here. Super, super awesome and fun and deep conversation to share with you today. We're talking about beliefs. We're talking about identifying the key buying belief that people need to share. And our guest today is Erin File. She's the founder of the MindFix Group. In a former life, she was a very successful founder of a web design agency, an award-winning web design agency. Um, But she has a really, really interesting story. And she went from uh, suffering from chronic pain, severe depression, and having all sorts of kind of internal beliefs that, that essentially nullified her ability to enjoy all the fantastic success that she was having. Now, she went from that state to not only experiencing an instant change, but then maintaining that change and deconstructing that process. And now she helps other people go through that same process. And she specializes in helping really driven entrepreneurs, executives, athletes, those types of people experience that same kind of instant change. Now, what's really interesting to me is that that uncovers like right away, that tells me there is a certain belief that people need to have in order for them to be right for her program. And this is something that she's, uh, she's identified and is working with. And so not only are we going to talk about beliefs and how they can hold us back and what to do about it. And this is great if you're the person where, you, uh, where you're the entrepreneur, you're the executive who is really successful and you feel like you're not enjoying it, you're not getting enough out of it, or maybe you're dealing with physical issues that are tied up with it to where you just can't get the results out of your business that you feel like you're going to get. Or you also can be the person who's working with that, that person. You might be the coach or the consultant who has clients like that, right? And so there's, there's a lot of lessons here on, on a couple of different levels, but it all has to tie into beliefs because as a thought leader, you have a belief system and you're trying to get people to agree with you so that they'll come with you on the journey. Aaron's in that position. I'm in that position. If you're listening, you're in that position. We all have beliefs. So our, our job as a thought leader is to help people clear out the beliefs that they have that are holding them back and replace them with the beliefs that we would like them to have so that they create new actions and get new results. So we're going to talk about beliefs. We're going to talk about what holds us back. We're going to talk about, in Aaron's case, what is how does she identify that key belief that kept coming up on sales calls over and over and over again? And then we're going to talk about how they use success stories strategically to hammer away over and over and over and over again at that belief, reinforcing the belief that they want people to have and knocking down the legs that are, that are supporting the beliefs that they don't want people to have so that when ideal clients or, or prospects show up on their doorstep, they are closer to being ideal and there's less stuff that they'd have to deal with on sales calls. And when they do experience the transformation, they don't revert, which if you've been a coach for any period of time, you know about that. 
you know about people that you've helped transform and change their business or change their life and then they revert, right? Or they, they have, a, they have a, a regression, right? So we're gonna talk about all that stuff. I am super, super excited for you to get into it. Uh, so without further ado, here is Aaron File of the MindFix Group. Aaron, officially welcome to Microfamous. Officially, hello. <laughs> <laughs> We've had an amazing conversation behind the scenes. I'm, I'm super excited to, to carry on the conversation, bring some of these things to, uh, to the audience. But what I want to start with is because you've got this amazing background, which I covered in your intro. But these days, what do you tell people that you do? I help high achievers and entrepreneurs get over their biggest uh, mental barriers and challenges that are holding them back rapidly and very, very effectively. <laughs> right. And the key there, yeah, as I'm saying, entrepreneurs are impatient. We have no patience for the gradual path. Yeah. Okay, good. Um, okay, so let's talk a little bit about the, uh, the company that you run. Like, tell me a little bit about how it's structured. How are you delivering that type of service to a group of people that can be super difficult to work with, right? Where entrepreneurs are not the easiest cats, right? Yeah. And, and you're not delivering kind of a one size fits all solution. Like we know that. So how are you delivering it? So we have um, our signature program and everything is one-on-one. -on -one. We have not yet uh, scaled to a point or figured out how we can take and deliver the results that we get for our clients in on a mass scale yet. So currently at this point, everything is one-on-one. -on -one. Our clients show up and they work with us on two video calls each week uh, with different team members. So every client that goes through our program works with three different coaches and one program manager. So there's a team of four supporting every single client that works with us. Two video calls a week um, for an initial 10-week sprint. And then there's a, a two-week kind of integration period. And then we work with them on like a three-month jog because so much change and transformation happens in the initial 10 weeks that people need a bit of time to recalibrate to this new self. Like, oh my gosh, I'm not scared of all these things anymore. Oh, holy cow, I'm not avoiding all of this work. So I have all these new challenges. And then we get to work with them for another three-month period to polish and refine and fine-tune all the new uh areas of their life that have opened up for them in that initial 10 week sprint. Yeah. For, I love that structure. I, I didn't know that going into it, but to me, it makes a lot of sense. I've talked about that a lot with my business coach. And one of the things that he doesn't like about a lot of other coaching is that exact thing. So you help somebody go through the transformation yeah. and then you as a coach, because you want to keep them paying, then decide, Hey, on to the next, on to the next transformation. And they're reeling going like, Hey, I gotta like, give me some time to adjust to the new normal. And so I, I love that approach because it really is about you. You structure the program in such a way that works with how human beings actually operate. Yeah. And you know what I'm saying? And, and yeah. works with it rather than trying to fight it for the sake of business and having consistent revenue. Right. Uh, and, I, and I'm moving more to a model where it's a little bit more short term and, and delivering a, like a six to 12 month package as well. And there's, there's a bunch to unpack there that we could, we'll skip that for now. Um, <laughs> what I want to talk about, first of all, is you made this big transition from, from being an agency owner into getting into this kind of personal development and transformation space. Mm -hmm. what, what do you want MindFix to be known for? What are you building up to the point where when somebody thinks about MindFix, they identify it with something very, very specific? What would you like that to be? Change can happen quickly and change doesn't have to be hard. We want to go against all of the models out there that say in order to experience transformation, it requires massive repetition. It requires massive patience and it requires a lot of hard work. I am, we're showing up and kind of calling BS on that. And, and that's just not the case. That's how it has been historically. And we're basically taking that and turning it on its head. 
Interesting. Okay. So let's dig into that a little bit because obviously that, that number one, that's the big idea that drives the entire company. They have, people have to buy into that idea in order to sign up. Yeah. Right. So that's like the one key buying belief basically that people need to agree with you on. Mm -hmm. So let's back up to before you figured that out, um, where were you at and what kind of led you to the point where you even figured that out? Where I figured out that's what we wanted to stand for. No, where you figured out that change can come in an instant. And it doesn't have to be hard. I want to hear that story. Uh, I was on the other side of that wall, basically. I was living a life and experiencing the opposite of that. I was okay. working with hundreds of therapists and practitioners and specialists over the course of a multi-year period where I had um, chronic pain that nobody could figure out, which led to increasing anxiety and depression, which ultimately led me to a point of just, I'm out, suicide, I can't deal this yeah. anymore, this is, this is horrific, um, I, can't, I, can't, I can't be here. Um, and all I would do is go to people who would be like, okay, we're gonna explore this for you know the next six month period and you might experience some changes over the weeks, keep an eye out for them and maybe something will happen and if not, maybe we'll refer you. And I just got sent from, Modality to modality, person to person, um, and not just things just didn't work. And everything felt hard. Nothing seemed to click for me. And that felt like my life. And it was quite frustrating. Um, so what ended up happening was uh, I was in a therapist's office one day, and she said something that kind of broke something in my brain and made me like the rest of my life went in a different direction. And she was the first person perhaps other people had said it, but the way she worded it, it really clicked for me. And she said, you know, your mental lens and how you see the world, how you perceive everything that's going on with you and to you is so dirty and so skewed that it's absolutely causing you to, to live a life of pain and frustration where things don't work for you. It's your lens that's skewed. It's not what's going on in your life. And if that's the case, that's something that can actually be addressed. You're not powerless. And that, that was fascinating to me. Um, and I said, that's interesting. I'm not quite sure what you mean. And she said, well, yeah. well, think about it. If deep down you believe that if you stop working, you're lazy, or if, or if your self-worth is attached to your achievements, and here you are, your body is in pain and you can't take a break. Otherwise you feel worthless. Otherwise you feel lazy. You literally can't even pause enough to heal your body. And she's like, do you see the cycles that you're getting caused in? They're just these loops that you can't get out of. And I thought that was fascinating. And I said, okay, this is cool. I think you're onto something. How do I change what I feel and hear? Because I've read all the books, right? I've read it all. I've done the sessions. I get what I'm supposed to be thinking about myself and how I'm supposed to like love myself unconditionally and accept myself. I, I get that I'm supposed to think that I've read it. How do I actually believe it deeply? And she didn't have an answer. I, you know, I, I always joke that she's like, I think you should come in three times a week instead of one. And, you know, we'll explore that in the upcoming years. And I was mm -hmm. like, I don't have years. I'm not yeah. hanging around to live a life like this anymore. Yeah. And so I basically set off to research, how can I change what I've, my fundamental deep-seated beliefs and patterns and things that I've been clinging to that I swear are real, but other people are telling me aren't and that are hurting me. And that's what I set out to do. And through my studies and explorations and turning myself into my own science experiment with 
explosions along the way. <laughs> That's what I actually figured out. Okay. I figured out that instead of trying to do things like give myself tools and trying to cope with all of the challenges that would keep bubbling up, if I could go down deep and actually change at like the fundamental root level, what I believe, how I see the world, I don't have to cope with things anymore because I lit- it, it, there's nothing yeah. to cope with. Right, right, right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. This is very, very interesting. Um, because there, yeah, I mean, this, this definitely rings true. I feel like I'm still on the other side of that wall in certain areas. Uh, so I'm curious, like, what was the, what do you feel like was the, so you had the turning point of the realization that set you off on the research. What do you feel like was the turning point when something snapped and changed internally? It was when I, I identified and then was able to literally clear out and eliminate it's so funny I say that word and I know some people are like, that's not possible because I used to be that way too. Yeah. But actually change some of the most insidious, difficult, like dangerous, worst, powerful beliefs that were keeping me stuck um, in these loops and patterns. Mm-hmm. So some of the just basic core stuff that a lot of people feel like you have to go around and you have to live with your whole life fundamentally, like I had this belief that I was never, ever good enough. No matter what I did, it wasn't good enough. It doesn't, it didn't matter that we, for 12 years in a row, we increased revenue, you know, Mm -hmm. over over and over and over again, not good enough. It didn't matter that I had my dream house before I was 30 and I got to snowboard every day and I live on a river and I live in the mountains and all my dreams came true. Not, it just never felt like it was enough. Mm -hmm. Um, and like I said, the, the worthiness, like I'm yeah. only worthy if I continue to achieve. I'm only worthy if I'm better than everybody else. Like those things like had tentacles in every area of my life. I couldn't, it got to the point, I couldn't go on a bike ride with a group of people unless somehow I proved like I was the fastest and I could <laughs> hang and, and I could hang with the guys. We'd go out for like a short ride, but it would be like, Mm-hmm. Okay, here's this downhill rocky part. I have to go ahead and I have to show that I can do it just as quickly as like the fastest guy who might have been mm-hmm. some, you know, competitive athlete. Um, I couldn't go out snowboarding. I couldn't go and I would hear myself if I was at dinner with friends, you know, someone would say something and I'd feel this urge or this compulsion to try to show that I was as good, if not better. In some, you know, like offhanded little way. Yeah. It was horrific. And I saw myself everywhere in my life and social situations with family, with myself and how I'd write in my journal. All of these pieces were coming together. And I saw these patterns of I'm just not good enough. And I have to always be better. I have to achieve things. Mm-hmm. And I saw how they were deteriorating just my ability to enjoy life. Yeah. I couldn't go to sleep at the end of a day and be happy with what I did because it wasn't enough. I couldn't go to sleep at the end of the day and truly be okay with myself. Mm-hmm. If I had accomplishments, I'd get bursts for a day or two to feel, yeah. I'd feel good. Yeah. Then they would dissolve and yeah. they'd go right away. There's no actual like peace. There was no contentment. There was no, uh, I, I did strategic coach for a while and they said, you know, you have to keep a gratitude journal. Mm-hmm. And you write five things you're grateful for every day. It changes your brain. The mm-hmm. exercise will change your brain. I did it for a year and it, I might as well have written down like random sentences with like 
rhinoceros, blue, elephant, chair, window. Mm. It meant it meant yeah, nothing. Gratitude me meant nothing to me. No. I couldn't feel gratitude because mm -hmm. it didn't mean anything. So what you asked me the question, when did things change? Mm. When I went in and there was a cluster of maybe five to 10 of those deep beliefs that just ruled my life. I am not good enough. Mm. I must be better than everybody else in order to be okay. Um, you know, if I make a mistake or fail, it's not acceptable. If I make a mistake or fail, I won't get another chance. All these things that mm -hmm. kept me into these loops and patterns of being mm -hmm. that consciously, of course, I didn't believe it. If you told yeah. me, Aaron, you're not good enough. I'd be like, oh yeah, let me give you the reasons. Consciously, right. I could argue underneath the surface, there were these loops that were going on. Mm -hmm. When I cleared those out, I felt a shift. I felt a change in my body instantly everybody in my life were like what's happened you're different wow. i emails that i wrote were different i would go to sleep at night feeling different i would show up to clients and conversations different i could go out and suddenly i'm on bike rides and i didn't care if i was at the end things just there was no practicing I, there was yeah. no coping there was no exercises i had to do i became a better version of myself almost overnight and all the things I had been trying so hard to learn and change and do for 40 years or not quite 40 years, but like into my late thirties, like in the course of a few days, all of it changed instantly with almost no effort. That was when I knew I was onto something that other people weren't. Yeah. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. Okay. There's a, uh, all right. I'm going to try to keep this somewhere South of three hours. <laughs> I'll, I'll keep my answers a lot shorter. No, this is really good because I, I identify with a ton of this, right? And, and like I said, I'm still on the other side of the wall in a lot of areas. My, my way of coping with it is I have, like I'm a natural builder, a natural systems person. Mm -hmm. And so I have shifted where I put my faith and I have put my faith in the systems as opposed to put, like putting my faith in my ability to be good enough, Right. So I kind of like figured out a way to like externalize my faith. Look, if I just like, I may not feel like I'm good enough. I may not feel like I'm entitled to the level of success that I want, but it's not about me. It's about other people and serving them. And if I build mm -hmm. systems that deliver something that they want, I'll get what I want, even if I don't feel good enough. So that's mm -hmm. kind of like my, I don't know, it's, it's basic, but it's worked for the last few years to sure. like get over that hump and so that I can keep moving forward and, and like give me something external that I can focus on that doesn't mm -hmm. have anything to do with me. Um, right. But there, well, when yeah. you say, when you yeah. say it's worked, like it's worked mm -hmm. to deliver quality for your clients, right? But it hasn't worked to actually fill the hole of not feeling good enough. Though, That's right? a good question. Exactly. I, I'm getting better, but it, it is incremental. You know what I'm saying? Like that, yeah, there, I can, there are definite times where I've felt where you can feel the confidence increase. You can feel the sense of unworthiness yeah. decrease. And, and that absolutely can happen. And you can go through your entire life and just chip away at it incrementally. But obviously that's not what you want to do. You want to help people transform instantly. Um, hmm. Let me ask you a question. Okay. What do you think is the biggest barrier to people agreeing with you that that kind of transformation can happen in an instant? That's the best question. And it's yeah. so ironic and hilarious Okay. because I deal with it every single day, I'll every sales call. The okay. biggest barrier is the belief 
that change is difficult and the belief that change must take a long time. So I get on calls and we work with people who have done the coaching, they've done the mentoring, they've done strategic coach, they've worked with therapists, they've done hypnotherapy, they've done the stuff, right? So imagine a lifetime of trying things that haven't worked. Mm -hmm. What are you going to conclude? You're going to conclude that things don't work for me. Change is difficult. And everybody's told you that you have to be patient and that change takes a long time. So you show up to a call with me already pretty convinced of those things. So when someone tells you the opposite, it's a, an instant feeling of it's too good to be true. So yes. half the time on the calls, the biggest barrier to being able to work with people is they come in with those beliefs. Hmm. And um, interestingly enough, that was, a, a, that was something that I learned along the way. We, when I started out and it was just me, uh, we, I would have clients who would experience crazy transformation in a short period of time. Mm-hmm. But because I never addressed their beliefs around change, and they still had change is difficult, change must take a long time, they would experience everything they wanted. They would, you know, I'm able to talk Big about money now. Themselves. They would. They yeah. would go, okay, I'll, I'll keep an eye out for when this doesn't work. I'll keep an eye out for when it stops. I'll keep an eye like, I'm sure it was the vitamin D that I started taking halfway through. Like mm. this is, we literally had one guy who, who in his sixties, nothing had worked for him within six weeks. He's like, I don't have a harsh inner critic anymore. I love myself. I don't beat myself up all these, everything he said he wanted. Mm-hmm. And he finished it with, you know, I'm really glad I did so much work on myself my whole life because it's finally paid off all the work I did. And he started listing like, you know, the landmark program and this and my therapist for 40 years. And we're sitting here going like, Oh my God, because we, we realized we, we never addressed change. Can't change Mm -hmm. must take a long time with him. So of course that's keeping him that, that changes the conclusions he's reaching. So nothing had ever worked. It works within six weeks. And then he goes back to, it was all because of everything else I did. So we actually have changed our program. And in order for someone to work with us at the very beginning, we have to address their beliefs around change so they can actually experience change in our program as well as anything else that they do. Otherwise they can actually undo the work that happens. Yeah. So that's a great question. Um, it's kind of a that's weird, funny answer. Yeah, yeah, no, but this is this is what's interesting to me, um, and maybe this is a good time to to shift gears a little bit and talk a little bit about the marketing challenge for for an organization and a program like yours. This is this is what's really fascinating to me. I love the conversation around beliefs, right? And to me, because to me that that's that's been the major difference between the ideal clients for me and the less than ideal clients. It's all been about their inner beliefs. Mm-hmm. The clients that show up that already believe the same things that I did, either by happenstance or because they've been consuming my content, amazing clients. The clients who showed up that didn't agree with me on most things, but just talked themselves into it enough to sign up and get started, absolute problem clients, right? Some of them had to be fired. Some of them just, you know, just never, yeah. whatever. Just they did, like the experience of serving them wasn't very rewarding for me, and they, but they were fine. Um, and so I started looking really deeply at, at beliefs. And to me that like, that's the power of podcasting is the ability to deliver messages over and over and over and over again, to chip away at those beliefs and get them to flip. Mm. So, so I'm curious from your perspective, like, how are you guys, you mentioned that once they sign up, you're, you're dealing with that belief. Is there anything that you guys are doing on the marketing side to get them to agree with you on certain things before they show up to a call? Or do you have to start dealing with it in the call? The one thing that, that I've done that has, I think has been helpful Mm -hmm. is 
pushing out a massive, constant, ongoing, high volume stream of proof and evidence. Mm, we yeah. like, if, if you go to the results page on our website, it's like three miles long and we just add to it every single week. And so I try to just grab ones as they come in throughout the week and just put them on social media and put them on social media and being like, you know what I posted the other day? It's not a fluke. It sh- here's another one. Here's another one. Here's another one. And trying to show some volume of evidence because, you know, people can pull a highlight reel. You can have in any program, like the 10% of people who doesn't matter what you do, they're going to be amazing and they're motivated and it's going to be great. And so sometimes you get, you're skeptical, you see testimonials or you see these quotes from what a client is experiencing and you're like, that's good. That wouldn't be me. So Hmm. one thing that we're trying that seems to have worked, I mean, we have people who have come back to us eight months later going, I've been seeing you post like every other day, all of this stuff that's happening with different clients. And I'm finally curious and now I'm going to reach out. So it's kind of this brute force piece. I'm not saying it's elegant or it's the right thing to do, but it's been one tactic that we can do because we have such a high success rate and, and we get so much constant ongoing feedback of the transformation from our clients on a weekly basis that we can do that. And that has seemed to help chip away at or erode the whole, this is impossible. This is right. too good to be true that, that a lot of people start out with. Yeah. And the thing that I like, like when I went to, to check out the website, there was, there was two things that I like. Number one was the results and the case studies of actual other people making your point for you. So that's number one. Number two was the blog posts of like specific tactical things that if they follow the directions would be visceral, can, like kinetic in their body examples of a very, like, like driving that point home change can happen in an instant change can happen. In an instant, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, I think that's what Tony Robbins really got got down back in the day and he turned it into a live experience company. But that, that was his, that was his perspective on, it. I think that's what made him big and what drove the success of his first infomercial was change can happen in an instant. And, um, I thought like, that's an idea that people want to buy into. They're just afraid to buy into it, you know? So, yeah, I, so it, I think that is tactically, I think it's the right approach, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Uh, let me ask you on, on the, on the marketing side of things, uh, where do you feel like is the, like the best place to reach people with that content? What's worked for you? So currently we are a high ticket company. We don't mm-hmm. have programs that people can do for $500 or a thousand or 2000 or even $5,000. Um, so we work with a very specific type of clientele. Um, initially when I started out, it was great on Facebook to reach a bunch of people as I was running beta programs and we had yeah. lower ticket prices at this point in time, um, with our high, higher ticket programs and finding that word of mouth referrals and presenting in front of really client rich audience or like prospect rich audiences is the most powerful way to, to go about it. This is definitely an area where it's hard to believe and it's hard to trust for some people that this is possible, especially because there's so many promises out there. I mean, you get a $9.99 course out there about how to breathe or like a meditation technique. And they're, the, the copy is like, this will transform your life. You'll become a new version of you. Your fears will go away. Like, like people overuse this stuff to the mm-hmm. point where it's just word vomit and, and yet transformation, change your life, get rid of your fears. 
it does none of it. It does none of it. You know, you might be breathing and for like 10 seconds, you forget that you're scared of something like Mm -hmm. that's not getting rid of anything. So when, when you have a, a product that is promising something that so many other people out there promise that and, and under deliver on, it really helps when you have trusted people in your corner. And that's why referrals, word of mouth, and, um, uh, and being able to have one-on-one conversations is a, it seems to be just a far more effective and powerful path than trying to go out and do the grab the masses, put them into a funnel where 95% of people can't invest in your program anyhow. Yeah. yeah, I I I think there's a lot of a lot of folks that have high ticket especially and I think it's the right I think it's the right move. Um if I were telling somebody who was starting out, I would tell them to start off high ticket, figure out later mm-hmm. after you've done it a thousand times and delivered results, then figure out how to scale it down to where mm-hmm. somebody could get value out of it in a group environment or in a book or a program or something like that. So I think you're like I think that's just the right move. You got to figure out what works first and what consistently delivers results. Mm-hmm. Um, going back to the like sh- sharing those success stories uh, with your particular clients in the area that you work in, do you find any resistance to sharing their story, or is it such a is is there it, like once they feel like the insecurities and fears are gone, do they have no problem talking about what they were like before the transformation? Oh, I'd say there's the occasional, um, occasional client every once in a while, you know, one out of 30 or something that's like, Hey, because of X, Y, Z, I'd prefer if you kept me anonymous, but it's really rare. Most people are, are really ecstatic, um, to share like the changes that they've experienced. Hmm, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of like people in the, um, people in the coaching world don't struggle as much with this, but in the consulting realm, holy cow. Mm. Sometimes it's really tough to get people to share their success because it says something negative about them right. at the beginning of the transformation. And they don't want to share what that was. And so I can see it going either way. And every business is a little bit different. People, some people struggle with it. Some people have no problem because once they're on the other side, they don't have any problem talking about what they're like on the front side. So yeah, it's, it, it's one of those things where it's just interesting and every business has a little bit of a different time getting those success stories. So um, so what's, what's the next step? So, you know, you know how to reach, at least for now, like how to reach those people. What do you think is the next step for you in terms of reaching or, or getting more of the right people into your world? Um, that's kind of what our meetings over the next few weeks are to figure out what we're doing for 2020. The goal is to actually max out our pipeline and create a really big waiting list so that we can start to shift to how do we actually get this work out to the world? Because it would be like morally unethical if I kind of kept this as, okay, we get to serve a few hundred clients every year and only people with a lot of money get to experience how transformational this is and how your life. Mm -hmm. And I say this and I actually mean it like can completely change for the rest of your life and everything. And it can be different Mm -hmm. in a very, very short period of time. I, I do believe that, like I, I, in the past couple of years, like this is my work life's purpose and it's my work to get this out there and figure out a way where we can get this into schools. We can get this into therapist office. We can get this out there. So all coaches are using this so that this is this mm-hmm. ubiquitous, simple way to help people transform. And it's, it's just something that everybody knows about and can use with their family and their friends so that, suffering like doesn't have to exist on the level that it does um, anymore. So 
my goal is to max out, again, our one-on-one work, get to a point where we have a wait list so that we can then start funding um, a training arm uh, of, of, the, of the company and start figuring out how we want to get this out on a mass scale to the world. Yeah, that's a really interesting and and I find it like a very fascinating question, like a very a cool problem to have. Mm-hmm. You've got something that you know works, you know it delivers results. Now, yes. how do you make a huge impact with it? And there's because there's so many different ways you could go. You could go like you could go the landmark route. You could do live events, you know, mm-hmm. with several hundred people, and you can design an experience that tries to deliver that, yeah. or you can scale out one to one experiences or small group experiences, and then certify mm-hmm. people in that tool set, right. which is what companies like StoryBrand and Duct Tape right. Marketing and Emith, And so there's a whole bunch of ways to, um, to skin the cat, so to speak. Um, but yeah, mm-hmm. it's, to me, that's a really fascinating problem, but it's the best problem yeah. to have because you already have something that works. Yeah, we, we do. Like we calculate our success rate every quarter, like mm-hmm. to keep us honest. And it, for Q3, we went up, we're at 96.1%. For the people mm-hmm. who come in and follow our instructions, which are minimal, right? There's almost nothing you have to do other than show up to your two sessions a week. Mm -hmm. Like we're still, we're running 96.1%. Like this works and it works so well and it's so consistent. This is something that, and, and it's not complex. Like this is something that if we can get it out there, Mm -hmm. it's just going to change so many lives. And that excites me. That gets me up in the morning. Interesting. Yeah. All right. Well, for the people that are in the listening audience, these are the folks that some of them might be great candidates for a program like this, and they might want to reach out and just talk to you about signing up, right? There's definitely that because we've got a lot of high, high achieving entrepreneurs in the audience. But if they're more in the realm of uh, referring people to you because mm-hmm. they, we're all kind of in this circle of thought leaders, maybe they're already speaking on stages and they might want to recommend you for a speaking engagement. So what's the best way to connect? Um, well, I'm the only Aaron file on all of Facebook and all of LinkedIn still, I believe. So I should be pretty easy to get a hold of in social media. Uh, and then our website, mindfixgroup.com. Um, there's a little form there. It gets sent directly to me. So if anybody wants to just wants prefers to use email, you can do that instead. Yeah. Uh, well, this has been awesome, Aaron. I, I so appreciate your time and the contribution and, uh, it's been a lot of fun. I hope people check you out and, uh, and spread the word. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Micro Famous Podcast. If you're ready to become famously influential to the right people, connect with us at getmicrofamous.com. It's the best way to take the next step to implementing the Micro Famous strategy in your business so you can attract an audience, build influence, and become the Micro Famous leader you're meant to be. And we'll see you on the next episode.